Welcome to Book of Mormon History Podcast. Book of Mormon History is an easy access to current research for personal study through our website, podcast, and other forms. I'm joined today for our very first premier podcast with the President of the Church of Jesus Christ, headquartered in Monongahela, Pennsylvania, Joel Gailey. Let's listen in to our conversation. Welcome, everybody, to the Book of Mormon History podcast. I'm your host, Josh Gailey, and I'm blessed to be here today with the president of the Church of Jesus Christ, Joel Gailey. He also happens to be my business partner, my father. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to have my dad on the podcast with us today. We're going to be having a, a discussion about studying the Book of Mormon about what the Book of Mormon is, a little bit of information about the Church of Jesus Christ, and we're going to engage back and forth. And during this, Dad, you're going to be candid, but you also recognize that even though you're the leader of the church, not everything that you say and not every opinion that you have is necessarily an official position. We're having a conversation today. Right. What I'm going to share with you are essentially my views and my beliefs on the various topics that we're going to discuss today. And hopefully people that are interested in knowing about the Book of Mormon, people that are interested in studying it, would value the perspective of one of the leaders of one of the primary organizations that upholds the Book of Mormon as Scripture. And the Church of Jesus Christ certainly does that. What's the Book of Mormon? The Book of Mormon is a record a historical record and a spiritual history of the people that God directed to this land of America. I have pulled together a list of facts, fun facts about the Book of Mormon. They're, they were put together as 15 epic Book of Mormon showstoppers by Darren Southam. He is a actor and director who's putting together a movie called Reign of Judges, Title of Liberty. And he is crowdsourcing, fundraising, trying to pull it together. I've he, seen the trailer. You've seen the trailer. Okay, so we're going to – he pulled out some some sh what he called showstoppers on facts of the Book of Mormon that are really pretty incredible. So as a way to introduce it, I thought I would read a couple of these that I have highlighted and maybe you could react to it and we could talk back and forth. So the first one I wanted to do was – According to a HuffPost article from 2011, the Book of Mormon was listed as number blank among the biggest bestsellers ever after the Bible. Where do you think it ranks? Fourth. You're close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It comes in at number five. Okay. Okay. So, and actually, if you add up both copies that have been given away for free and copies that have been purchased... Over a 200-year period, over 200 million books have been distributed worldwide. Amazing. So it's pretty incredible. So definitely a top five all-time, quote-unquote, bestseller or best, most widely distributed book ever written. And it was only written a couple hundred years ago. So uh, Actually, a couple thousand. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Translated. Yes. A couple hundred. So, now, some of the largest publishers in the world 
have recognized the influence of the Book of Mormon and valued it enough to print their own. So not just copies of like the Church of Jesus Christ, we have our own Book of Mormon. It's it's actually very beautiful. It has references, red letters for the words of Christ. But there have been other editions that have been printed by, by major publishers. Yale University Press, the University of Illinois Press, Doubleday, and actually Penguin Books published it as a Penguin Classic. So there are major publishers outside of church organizations that have recognized the historical value and the modern day value of publishing the Book of Mormon. Wonderful. It's exciting to hear that the publication of the Book of Mormon is so extensive. How many languages do you think it's been translated into? Ooh, that's a tough one. (laughs) Um, Let's try 90. Close. And actually, you know, over 110. I know uh, the Church of Jesus Christ just did Tamil and actually Chichewa. Chichewa is a remote language in Africa. And so I'm sure that's one that's probably unique to us as, a, as an organization. Over 110 languages overall translated. Amazing. It's amazing to see the faces of the believers whenever they first receive a Book of Mormon in their language. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous thing. You've had that privilege? Many times. And it's, it's never gets old. How many countries on missionary work? Over 20, 20 different countries. How, how many times were you the first one? Uh, I don't know that specifically, but a number of times. God allowed me to be one of the first in a country to present uh, the Church of Jesus Christ. And it's a, it has always been a wonderful privilege and honor and blessing. Exciting and humbling at the same time? Always exciting. Always exciting. In a nationwide study done by the United States Library of Congress, the public voted and chose the Book of Mormon as the blank most influential book in America. I'm going to give you a hint. The first blank I gave you, you would have guessed right. (laughs) Fourth. Fourth. Oh, how do you know? It was was chosen uh, through the poll at the U.S. Library of Congress, the fourth most influential book in America. I would actually probably be willing to bet that a couple other books from the 19th century that would be contemporary to Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon in its translation would be right up there. I would guess Tom Sawyer's probably on that list, maybe a couple others. But uh, the Book of Mormon ranks as, as number four all time for, for U.S. published books. Remarkable. It is. It's wonderful to hear these facts about the Book of Mormon. Do you want to go into a conspiracy theory with me? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's a fact that then leads you to ponder. I'll put it that way. Former President Abraham Lincoln checked out the Book of Mormon from the Library of Congress and kept it for eight months. He turned it back in seven days after submitting his first draft of the Emancipation Proclamation. So what's a conspiracy theory? (laughs) The conspiracy theory might be that the Book of Mormon positively influenced Abraham Lincoln as he was considering his Emancipation Proclamation to free 
the United States of slavery. Well, let us hope that it had a great influence on Abraham Lincoln. We'll never know. He never said, but he did turn it back in seven days after. I, well, I just and, and having it in his possession for that long of period of time, hopefully he just didn't lose it. But he was <laughs> yeah. actually reading it at we're, the time. We're hoping it wasn't. Yeah, we're hoping it didn't have dust when he turned it back in. It wasn't just sitting on the shelf that he was actually engaged in the two hundred thirty nine chapters that are in the Book of Mormon. Two thousand seven, a rare documents auction in New York City reported to have sold a first edition copy of the Book of Mormon for a stunning. How much? First edition, 1830. $250,000. Oh, actually, I think it might go that high today. In in, uh, 2007, it went for a stunning $180,000. Wow. (laughs) So, get out your checkbook. Where is that? Is it in the basement of Monongahela? (laughs) No. (laughs) All right, so those are some of the fun facts just as a way to introduce the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is a translation into English in its original version from an ancient historical record referencing descendants of Joseph as they came to America. Is that a great short summary? It is a religious, spiritual, historical record. Exactly. One of the most precious books that uh, we have in the world today. You today are the president of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is a organization. in Monongahela, Pennsylvania. That's right. It is not associated with any other religious organization. Correct. And it claims to be the spiritual successor to the restored gospel as given to Joseph Smith in 1830, and even maybe more directly as founded by Jesus Christ when he was on the earth. Is that a fair summary of the, the fundamental belief of who the Church of Jesus Christ is? That's absolutely correct. Would you phrase it any other way or add to that at all? We feel that we have the true restored gospel of Jesus Christ as was given to Joseph Smith by the angel Moroni in 1829 and 30. So in bringing it back, that means that something had to be lost? We believe that there was a complete apostasy of the truth and the authority of God from the earth. And the angel Moroni brought that priesthood authority and the truth and fullness of the gospel back to earth. Now, a lot of different people are going to be welcome on this podcast to engage and interact and share ideas. I'm already working with a professor at Brigham Young University. I'm having discussions with with friends and historians and and individuals from Independence, Missouri that aren't necessarily part of the Church of Jesus Christ. And so a lot of people that would even believe in the Book of Mormon or know of the Book of Mormon might not know the Church of Jesus Christ. Is, Is that fair? I'm sure that's true. And I would just state that the beliefs, the faith and doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ is based 100% solely on the Bible and the Book of Mormon. We do not subscribe to any other documents or books from the Restoration period of time. We strictly base our beliefs on 
the writings of the Bible and the writing of the Book of Mormon. So as we go through and people know or have heard the name Joseph Smith, they may not fully know the history or they are investigating the Book of Mormon for the first time. How does the Church of Jesus Christ come out of the Restoration Movement? How does it exist today, and, and where did it come from? What's a little bit of, of that background? Well, I think most of the Restoration groups and, and the history that is out there for people to review and understand, in 1844, Joseph Smith Jr. was killed by a mob. And from that point in time, there was confusion and there was people uh, vying for leadership of the church. We believe Sidney Rigdon was the first counselor to Joseph Smith and that he had the authority to continue the Church of Jesus Christ. From Sidney Rigdon, he was actually the, at the time, Joseph Smith, before he was killed, was running for president of the United States. And Sidney Rigdon was being chosen, was chosen, and actually moved to Pennsylvania because he was the vice presidential nominee and you had to be in a different state as the presidential nominee. You know that history probably a lot better than I do, but yes. And from Sidney Rigdon, then a man was baptized and came into the church, was uh, ordained an elder by the name of William Biggerton. And we believe the succession of the priesthood authority and Church of Jesus Christ continued from Sidney Rigdon to William Biggerton. In the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ, William Biggerton was a very prominent figure in leading our church through the late 1800s. Now, for the Church of Jesus Christ, where is the church today? What has it turned into? Where is it? And if somebody's interested, how, how could they go somewhere? Well, I just want to reiterate, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ is headquartered in Monongahela, Pennsylvania. We have a World Conference Center in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. We have branches and missions of the church throughout the country in the United States and in 20-plus countries around the world. So if people are interested in the Church of Jesus Christ, just understand that our headquarters is in Monongahela and that searching or researching the Church of Jesus Christ, they can be in touch with us. Even if they go to thechurchofjesuschrist.org, you could find a, a domestic, a, a United States-based branch location just on a, a search function on the website, right? Yeah, we have a, a church website, thechurchofjesuschrist.org. You got to plug it. Yeah. <laughs> we welcome everyone to be part of the Church of Jesus Christ. Wonderful. And I really appreciate First off, I, I would welcome President Nelson on, on the podcast as well, or anybody else that would like to talk about the Book of Mormon. But it is it is special to have you on and to be the first for this podcast series that we're doing. And we're going to go into a little bit deeper on the Book of Mormon, studying the Book of Mormon. And actually, I want to start off. There's a quote from Austin Ferrier. And he was writing about C.S. Lewis and he, he basically said, and I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase it, but he basically said, you know, rational argument doesn't create belief. 
but it creates an environment where belief can flourish. And the Maxwell Institute and others have really grabbed onto that quote, and it is important. We really want to study and go in on a deeper level, but there have been times when Christianity has been at variance with academics. There's been times when instead of it being complementary, it has been more of a battle. And sometimes in levels of higher criticism, that battle still goes on today. But the example I'm thinking of is Galileo, when he was going after basically a a heliocentric universe. He was saying, for somebody that may be unfamiliar, he was basically saying, the earth is not the center of the universe, folks. Right. The the sun is in the center and the earth revolves around the sun and there might be more than that. He was silenced. He was basically put in a prison house, lived out his life needing to recant that heresy. He was called a heretic. And it took 350 years for the church that quote unquote punished him to correct what was actually their error, not his. Where does a believer in the Book of Mormon fall on that scale? Well, the Book of Mormon actually, in a couple of places, gives us scientific understanding that the earth revolved around the sun. Nephi in Helaman, the 12th chapter in our Book of Mormon, tells us that they understood the scientific understanding of the planets and the sun in in that day. So, I believe that science and faith can go hand in hand. And you look at it even further, and you look at the understanding of the solar system in ancient Mesoamerica, and you get wowed by what they knew. And you put that together with what Helaman says, and you put it in a real-world setting, and then you get wowed even more as you overlay history with the text, with the proper location. It really is stunning at the end. And I would say I I am certainly no scholar in the ancient pyramids and and ruins that you see and you find in in Central America. Well, that's why you have to listen to the podcast and you've got to follow the site. Exactly. (laughs) But my point is I have been to a number of the ruins and one in Southern Mexico that I have visited frequently. Monte Alban, right? Yes. They believe that uh, one of the structures in the center of what has been uncovered so far has been an observatory. It, it is amazing to see some evidences of the science that they understood many hundreds of years ago. Yeah, as we transition over to looking at the Book of Mormon from an academic perspective, you know, the the TCOJC has never really had very many over the course of its history scholars that are actively publishing material on the text, creating books, submitting anything to any type of of journal on the Book of Mormon for peer review. The early history of the Church of Jesus Christ, we were not academics. That's exactly right. Yeah. We were farmers and miners and simple business people. William Bickerton, a miner, right? I mean, he was in the coal mines, filthy every day, working long hours, and yet 
the inception of an organization that now is in over 23 countries around the world. And not to say that we're not taking anything away from any of those early saints. The history of our people, our church, has always been more along the lines of the spiritual aspect of the book rather than the academic aspect of the book. So does that make you feel that studying it from a historical perspective or studying the book from an academic perspective is not important? I think the Church of Jesus Christ today is very excited, and I'm very excited about the fact that there is so much academic research being done on the background and the geography and and the peoples of the Book of Mormon. This is something that I believe many, if not most, of the people in the church value and are excited to understand and learn about. It's so very interesting to me, and I believe to many of our members, to see and understand a lot more of the academic side, where the Book of Mormon activities took place, and in answering some of the questions of the ancient people, the things that we know exist, but we just have not studied personally ourselves. And probably don't know where to go to look. Correct. But I understand you're doing with this wonderful effort is making available study and material from all different types of sources that Absolutely. That give us a background and and more of an understanding of the Book of Mormon. Yeah, I have no prejudices on from where. And I'm going to be linking to the best source material. Obviously, I'm an interpretation of that. I am the filter of what that is or isn't. But I'm going to be trying to – people that want to study the text, I'm going to be trying to give you the best ways to do it. The best locations. Wonderful. Even if it's not TCOJC. As we look at this and now we look at what this platform is, this platform, Book of Mormon History, is not the official position of the church, right? Correct. What what we're sharing today is just our views, my views, on a lot of the academic information that has come to light over the past 50 years or so. And it's fair to say that In the next few years, as we're publishing material, as we're interviewing people, there might be things that are said or ideas that are brought forward that, quite frankly, you may not personally agree with, right? Could be. I mean, there is a lot of information that is still to be uncovered. You know, I, I frequently consider the scripture that says God's ways are so much greater than man's ways. (laughs) And his thoughts are so much beyond man's thoughts. So we may have theories, we may have opinions, but someday we will know clearly. We see through a glass darkly today, but someday face to face. So you're promoting and you're willing to allow this to go out, even though it's not necessarily affiliated with the church, so allows maybe not the right word. But you're supporting the fact that we should study the Book of Mormon and we should study these topics. And from time to time, 
we might learn and evolve in the scientific study of things, even though the faith and doctrine is not going to change. I believe, without a doubt, that all people believe the Book of Mormon on faith. And I believe that the more we understand from a historical, archaeological, scientific position of the Book of Mormon, it will just increase our faith in the book. Well, I think that's what archaeologist John Sorensen kind of said something very similar. He said, when you give it a real geography and you give it a real cultural setting and you make it real, what you're doing is you're, you're creating a heightened sense of concreteness and you could almost think of it like a foundation. Absolutely. So here's where we are. Book of Mormon history we are here and we are going to provide easy access to current research for personal study. Our mission is to bridge the gap between Book of Mormon research and believers. And I believe there's a gap. Okay. Our vision is to foster a thriving belief in the historicity of the Book of Mormon and its translation. Wonderful. And we value scholarship to help those studies with a simple delivery. And the podcast and the articles and some of the videos are going to be simple delivery mechanisms. People learn in different ways. Well, and I think over the years, even since the beginning of the Restoration, the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, people have always had curiosity about the places and the people and the events that took place as recorded in the Book of Mormon. And I've always been fascinated with the history of the Book of Mormon from an academic standpoint. I think the curiosity is, is being rewarded today with all of these different academic studies. I think we've been hinting at this and kind of laying it out as we've been talking. But the, the concept of Book of Mormon history, Book of Mormon history and TCOJC, there's no direct affiliation, right? That's correct. You're not filtering every podcast that's going to be on. You're not reviewing every article. No. This is a separate entity from the Church of Jesus Christ. And yet, from time to time, you might be reviewing material and be sharing it on a TCOJC platform if you think it's value for the members to read and study. I believe anything that enhances the authenticity of the Book of Mormon Anything that enhances the faith of our members in the Book of Mormon is beneficial. For example, I'm working on podcasts coming up with a professor who has done a virtual map of the Book of Mormon. And it's an internal map of the Book of Mormon. So you could go to Alma chapter 4. You could see on the map where the cities are. And you could see whether they're Nephite or Lamanite cities, people traveling from location. And you can work through chapter by chapter. That's not a TCOJC project. Absolutely not. But it's probably valuable for TCOJC members to take a peek at. I'm curious to see it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in things like that. Understanding it, it is something that someone has created based on the text of the Book of Mormon. Exactly. But it may not actually be perfectly correct. Oh, there's, there's interpretations when it comes to even the internal map. There's no question. We, we can create a, a general consensus. I think there is on, on more or less the scale. And there's no doubt there's interpretation to it and adjustments that can be made over time. 
And I believe that all of us, as we read the Book of Mormon, we visualize in our own mind the settings and the situations and the wars and, you know, the actions of the uh, different brothers and sisters that are portrayed in the Book of Mormon. So it's it's something that we do internally as we read the book. Ready for rapid fire? We'll give it a shot. So here's what we're going to do. I have, I've laid out a number of questions so people can get to know you. Many people know you on the spiritual side. They've listened to your sermons, but they may have never gone fishing with you. Okay, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> I do like to fish. So favorite Book of Mormon scripture? I would say one of my favorite. I, I have many favorites, but that's cheating. Okay, well, let's say the, the favorite <laughs> is First Nephi chapter 13, verse 37. Blessed are those that bring forth my Zion in that day. That is one of my favorite. Besides scripture, favorite book. I was going to guess. This is great. I'm so glad you don't know. <laughs> I was going to guess Bonhoeffer. I, the cost of discipleship. Okay. All right. That would have been my guess if I had to guess one for you. Yeah, I read that usually once a year. Lutheran I, Lutheran minister that during that World War during II, World War II helped many Dietrich Jews. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Another book that I read uh, frequently is a book by Foster, The Celebration of Disciplines. Mm. So it's another excellent book that I recommend for people. Goes through listening, fasting, all all different spiritual disciplines, right? Twelve. Exactly. Twelve in the book. Yes. Yeah. Favorite fish to catch? Well, since uh, we live near Lake Erie and we have... Cloudy and cold today in Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah, pretty cold. But favorite fish to catch is probably perch and because I like to eat it. The perch are uh, one of the best eating fish in Lake Erie and they are so fun to catch when you get into a school of perch. That was going to be my next question was what favorite fish to eat, but then that, that covers two in one. Steelhead for me, favorite fish to catch. Perch, favorite fish to eat. Well, steelhead is right up there too. It's a, uh, a fantastic fighting fish whenever you get it on a small, a small outfit. So here we go. We got a uh, favorite cake, but before you answer it, we're going to do a countdown because I know it and you know it. So ready? On three. One, One two, two, three. German, German chocolate, chocolate cake. cake. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in the church knows that. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite sport? Probably college basketball. I I played basketball in high school, and basketball has always been a, a favorite of mine. Team? Well, I like a lot of teams. Teams that I typically root for have great coaches. That's kind of how I uh, I evaluate a favorite team. You so have a favorite I team. I know, and it's it's Duke because <laughs> I, I love Coach K. Yeah. I, I asked this earlier, how many countries on mission work? You said over 20? Yes. Over 20. Where haven't you been that you'd like to go? I've thought about this recently. I would, on my top list is Israel. I would love to be able to someday take the Church of Jesus Christ and establish it in the country of Israel. Where do you see TCOJC in five years? I believe that we will expand the church in many different countries from where we are now. I believe God is directing the church in the Latter-day Promises, especially with Israel. 
the seat of Joseph on this land of America. I believe there will be a tremendous push by God to take the church to Israel. Last question. Okay. No pressure. There's currently a vacancy in the Quorum of Twelve Apostles, which means there is a brother that has passed away, and we have currently 11 ordained active apostles. We have one brother that's emeritus status, so there there is an opening in the Quorum of Twelve Apostles. Right. Who's your pick? Uh, the the man that God has directed. Oh, and, and this is the moment to <laughs> open it up on this podcast. No, no, I know. I know who it is. Yeah, it's the man God wants. Ugh. And it's a true answer, too. <laughs> Dad, thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, and I hope it's been beneficial. I think it's great. I, I appreciate the the push to making this happen. I'm excited to see where it goes. I wouldn't be here without you. I value very much your comments today, your openness, sharing personal, sharing spiritual, and being able to be open and honest with where we're headed. Thank you very much. And I hope that this is a tremendous platform for promoting the Book of Mormon around the world and a tremendous platform for educating people around the world in the Book of Mormon that they would have a desire to read it and study it and accept it by faith. That's a wrap on our very first podcast. Thanks for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And I'd like to thank my dad and president of the Church of Jesus Christ, Joel Gailey, for being a part of our launch. For more information, go to www.bookofmormonhistory.com. You can also follow the podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.